0: So my computer just spent an hour installing updates. Nice. And when it was done, it's like, here's what's new and different. I, I I don't I I can't tell what's new or different. Can you run Far Cry better now? Probably. No. Man. Oh, what was that game that was like the Crisis? There we go. Crisis. Yeah. You know, for everything, it wasn't that great. Never played it. It was all right. Never played it. It was pretty great. Never played it. It was the best. Never played it. Uh, you could pick up a chicken and throw it through a hut. So it's Zelda? Yeah, exactly. And if you threw the chickens too many times, a million chickens would attack you. Nice. Yeah. you wanna get started? Wait, no. hey and welcome back to zero credits the show where we talk about things my name's Henry and I'm the tastemaster Supreme <laughs> shit tastemaster God damn it <laughs> Wow John you you practice that and you still got it wrong I said it like four times <laughs> I think that just means it's fate you cannot be the tastemaster or maker whatever is uh is master the only word that's spelled that way, that is pronounced that way? What about blaster? Ah, so I guess baster is the odd one out. Yeah, baster. And then there's faster, which. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, baster. And then maybe. Baster? I can't think of. A uh, caster? Oh, God. Now I can't stop thinking of words. What have you disaster? done? Disaster? Disaster? Yeah, it's not a disaster. No. Baster's the odd one out. So I have some news for uh, you and the listeners. Oh, well, uh, inform us of your news. Do you remember how I was very sick last week? I remember you died, basically, at the end of the last podcast. Um, A lot of our listeners were concerned. I am dying again. Oh, that's grand. Yeah, I have a very bad stomach bug, or something. So, during the podcast, if you hear John go, uh, you might hear a bleep, instead... And, uh, just know that he's gonna be okay for the most part with a question mark. Yeah, uh, I might disappear at a moment's notice to go deal with unspeakable business. But, uh, whew, apparently my body just decided that food was not worth digesting. You know, I hate it when my body is like, you know that thing you need to live? I'm not going to help with that anymore. The one thing that my body is supposed to do, which is keep me alive, and it's not doing it. Sickness is like... It's turning a switch from my body's on my team to my body's trying to kill me for some reason. Or uh, or something in my body, some rogue agent, some splinter cell Pandora tomorrow in my bod. Some like, uh, some P- Palin, Sarah Palin virus. Cause yeah, some she... Sarah Palin in my bod. Yeah, <laughs> her whole thing was going rogue. No, Maverick or something, right? Yeah, she was a Maverick. She was a Maverick. So you're, you've got a Maverick in your body. You're also going to, uh, intermittently hear me drinking Gatorade, potentially. Because as we know, the famous acronym diet, uh, for when you have stomach problems is, uh, a GURP? Gatorade? Rice? Ga- Gatorade? Pudding. There, there's one, there's one in the middle. Oh, what it's, is it? Uh, Gatorade. Ice. Ice. Ramen noodles. Pepto Bismol. Mm-hmm. Alright. I you know, I was always taught, you know, Gatorade, iguana, rice pudding. Well I mean not everyone can afford iguana rice pudding, Henry. Yeah, we couldn't. We just had rice pudding and then we would put a lizard in it. Oh, wow. Like one of those baby dinosaurs that you would find in the backyard. Ooh la la. <laughs> it's so ritzy, right? It's so so risque. I mean that's not the word. So uh, I have a thing to talk about unless you have a thing to talk about. Uh I've got a thing to talk about, John. Um, All right, then let's talk about it. So at my at my job, I've got some what you might call a downtime and I I found your dark secret, John. Oh, yes, I found I found someone who's, who's calling you out on Reddit. Someone th- wait, hold on. What? Yeah, okay, so there's this there's this uh thread on Ask Reddit, which is where I go when I have some downtime, and it was tell us about your strangest first date mm and apparently uh someone you had a first date with uh posted on there John, oh god yeah, so i I got that, and I wanted to read it and maybe you know hear your thoughts on the matter uh see if this is uh this lines up with anything you remember. Now, uh, you must understand, now Henry knows this, but the listeners might not, that I have, uh, I will brook zero quarter for slander or libel. Wait, you, you, you're, you take no quarter over slander or li- libel? I will draw and quarter anyone who slanders me or libelizes me. Well, uh, I don't know who non-fictitious is. That, that's the handle of the person. Mm. Um, but, you you can take it up with them, all right? Let's hear this. All right, it's pretty lengthy, so I'm going to read it and, you know, interrupt when you, you remember or you've got something to say, okay? I'll do that. I was probably the first... I'm sorry. I was probably the strangest first state for one guy. We had met at a club a week or so prior. I had told him he was cute, thanks, alcohol, and got his number. We danced together, and while we danced, I was basically interrogating him, thanks, alcohol, on some, on things about him. I found out he had a twin brother, the name of his family dog, and his favorite movie, among some other things. I have a really good memory about things people tell me, so naturally I remembered it at all. Anyways, day of the date. I was excited. Went out and bought an outfit. I honestly don't know why I was that excited or nervous, but in retrospect, probably because it was the first time I truly put myself out there as opposed to leaving my number on a receipt or something. Well, whatever. He picks me up, and while I was expecting dinner and hadn't eaten because of it, we go to a hookah bar. Oh, okay. Maybe dinner to follow. Only pretty much immediately he mentions he has plans with friends later. Oh, well that's okay. Maybe he's just a gentleman. But in the back of my mind, I knew that somewhere, somehow, this date had gone wrong as soon as he saw me. I don't think I'm bad looking, but hey, I'm sure I looked better with alcohol and dark club lighting. It also probably didn't help that he mentioned something he had told me the night we met, and I responded that I knew already, had remembered. Oops. It word vomit. hope that doesn't set off anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not yet. I'm taking it in. <laughs> we smoked some hookah, but let me tell you, the awkward in the air was way thicker than any smoke in the whole joint. Then we played pool, and liter- literally before I even put my stick back... He was walking out the door. Okay. He dropped me off and even walked me to the door and indicated that we could have a rematch in pool sometime. We hugged and that was that. Texted a couple more times over the next week or so, then I realized he had unfriended me on Facebook. When I asked him about it, he told me he isn't the type of guy that can date a girl with blue hair. The worst part is that I missed a Halloween party with free food when I had the sickest homemade Pee Wee Herman costume to wear. Thanks, John. Oh well, uh, I guess I'll address these one at a time. All right. Uh, now, I've not had a great number of first dates, but I think I can narrow it down. Okay. Uh, a hookah bar is a, a typical a typical move for me. Yeah, and then I do like to display dominance in pool. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, yeah, I knew that. Now, uh, something that this person, uh, doesn't include is that generally when I meet people in clubs, I, uh, I just, uh, tell them the plot to The Fugitive. Oh, okay. So, uh, this one was, uh, actually the plot to The Prestige. Gotcha. So, uh, I can see, I can see why that took me a little bit to, to remember that particular evening. Now, uh, unfriending someone on Facebook is a classic strategy for future dates, Oh yeah, it's definitely it's a ghosting move, isn't it? You just kind of just pretend like, hey, we were never friends in the first place. Yeah, I mean the the closer you can get to making it seem like you never met that person and making them feel crazy, uh, gaslighting, if you will. Oh yes, of course, gaslighting. If uh, if you can gaslight someone into believing that you've never met, that is a surefire way to bag yourself another first date. <laughs> So, like, if the first date didn't go quite as well, just pretend you've never met, gaslight them into thinking that we've never met, and then you get a new first date. Yeah, people say you can't have more than one first impression, but they're not willing to go the distance and gaslight people into thinking that you never met. Well, I think most people aren't trying to do emotional harm to people. I mean, most. Yeah. And hey, is it really emotional harm if it doesn't affect me? Um... Uh, yes, I think it is. Oh, well, then I should probably rethink my strategy. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, you know what's really, uh, surprising about that story? What? Enough of it was very similar to experiences that I've had that I was considerably worried. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I mean, you don't, you don't have a twin brother. Or wait, do you? <laughs> No, I don't have a twin brother. What about that guy I met at that wedding one time that said he was you, but he didn't look like anything like you? Oh, that's uh, the uh, heraldric toad. Because <laughs> it looked, it, 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 he said it was you, but then he didn't have any facial hair, and like it was weird. Yeah, that's heraldric toad. He's uh he's a known confidence man. <laughs> heraldric toad, the con man posing as you at a wedding. That's uh, that's his name. He he has a shaven face. Oh, it was very shaven, and the eyes of a crow. Why is he called Toad then? That's just his name, Henry. Oh, okay. I thought you're not a Henry. I look like a Henry. You're right. <laughs> not that we can talk about looks. This is a podcast. And besides, it's spelled T O D E. Oh, like road. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually. (laughs) Yeah. No, not like road, but road. Yeah. Toad like road, not toad like road. Yeah, duh. Idiots. (laughs) Uh, No, that uh, that seriously concerned me for a second, because I have taken uh, quite a few first dates to hookah bars, which, uh, I don't know. I never assumed that that was a bad move. Yeah, I just, you know, I would say establish it beforehand that, hey, we're not going to dinner. We're going to a hookah bar. Well, I always go to a place that serves dinner and hookah. That sounds gross because all the smoke gets all up in your soup. Yeah, you're going to smoke that soup. I don't, I don't want smoked soup. I like my soup to be solid and not soup. Uh, so no smoked soup? I don't like soup. I don't. I don't think soup is food. I ate soup for the first time in quite some time today because of the the sickness. Yeah. And it was a split pea. Okay. And it was good. It was Dr. McDougal's, which is kind of... They're in these, like, ramen cups, but he makes a lot of, like, really tasty and nutritious soups. That's interesting. No salt. Horrible. Well, no, that's great, because blood pressure. You gotta drop, like, a cube of salt in there. No, 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 no. You're not supposed to use salt. Uh, Salt is essential... To my enjoyment, uh, salt is essential to high blood breber. High blood rubber? High blood breber. But yeah, I've been uh, I've been consuming that because I've uh, I've been dying. <laughs> well, which uh, no wonder you're sick. You keep you keep. Eating the liquid, you can't, soup isn't food. You know, I'm I'm inclined to agree, I've never been a soup person, I like a good stew. Is that, well, uh, like, if you consider maybe, like, a gumbo a stew, I'm on your side? Yeah, gumbo's a stew. Because, like, it's thicker than a, than a soup, which is mainly, you could drink it out of a thermos, you know? Red beans and rice is, of course, a pudding. Yes, a, a rice pudding. It has been called iguana rice pudding before. <laughs> that's exact. I mean, that's what I meant when I said iguana rice pudding. Oh, okay, man. Yeah, I was using the colloquialism. Heavy weighs the crown. Of your thorns in your side. You know, it's uh, it's interesting that I ate soup today and pretty much nothing else other than bananas and Gatorade because yesterday uh, I was offered tremendous food from, like, a celebrity chef in a five-course meal. Did you eat any or did you have to pass it up because you weren't feeling well? Uh, I was feeling fine yesterday, but most of it was stuff that I couldn't eat. But I did eat some chilled corn soup. I ate a caprice salad and I ate a peach and saffron tartlet. That all sounds very fancy. And uh, do you know where this happened? Um, This sounds like you're trying to segue from my awesome topic about how awful of a first date you are to a brand new topic that involves fancy celebrity... Sh- Wait, which celebrity chef? It was uh, someone from Top Chef. I forget her name. Oh, uh, one of the various people from Top Chef? I think she got into the top six one season. So that's, not like not amazing, but still pretty amazing. That's still, I mean, that's major airtime. But uh, where were you? I was at a banquet where I was performing comedy. Oh my gosh! A banquet? Mm-hmm. It was a it was a charity drive banquet where uh, I I and some close friends were performing for a room full of people who paid a lot of money to be there and were dressed infinitely nicer than we were. Well, of course, that's the first rule of improv comedy. Always be dressed down in relation to your audience. I was reading something that uh, says that kind of improv and stand-up comedians, it's almost required that you look schlubbier than your audience. Especially for stand-up, since they're going to be listening to you for like an hour. But yeah. Because if you're a beautiful stand-up, everyone hates you. Look at Ryan Reynolds. Oh, look at him. Mm. (laughs) Don't look too hard, you'll fall in love. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so at this banquet, I performed comedy, and, uh, asked me how it went, Henry. John, I would love to know how this went. Uh, we fucking bombed. Bombed? As in you did so well, the place exploded in laughter? Uh, the opposite of that. Oh, bombed, as in, like, people wanted to throw bombs at you. Yeah, it was... It was bad. The room was... It was a tough crowd. Um... Okay, so what would you say, like, the median age of your audience was? I'm gonna say it was about 40, but I was willing to trend down because most people were drinking. Okay, yeah, drinking will help. But, uh, yeah, the tables that could hear us were pretty into it, but people weren't really that interested in the back, there wasn't a lot of laughter, uh... You know, uh, an integral part of improv comedy is asking for suggestions and we got two suggestions from all the way in the back of the room. Wow, throughout the entire show. Throughout the entire show. That's that's insane. There is nothing quite as demoralizing as uh, as bombing in front of a room full of people wearing suits. How many people would you say there were? Oh, 250. All right, so you're dealing with a a crowd, potentially a mob, mhm. And you, you so no mics or anything, no setup. There was one mic that was extremely hot. Ooh, what charity was was this for? I wish I could remember. Oh, well. Wow. Um so like what exactly did you guys do? What was your uh, your set? Uh so it was improv comedy and we had uh We had two ten-minute slots, which is not enough time to do good improv comedy. Yeah, that's like two games each. Yep. Um, so what did you do? Uh, we played a game called Arms Expert. Okay. Which was fun to watch. Yeah. And then we played a game called Replay at Bernie's, which was fun to watch. Alright, these are both very physical, you know, very physical, like, funny games, um... That's interesting. Wow. It was what? a it was a room full of 250 people who were all seated at the same level, so maybe the first row of tables could see us. Oh gosh, that that's a shame. Yeah. I, I assume there were other acts and stuff. Haha. <laughs> nope. What? Yep. You guys were the sole entertainment for this banquet. We were the sole entertainment and the person who was introducing us for some reason uh, refused to, so sh- she was a sommelier, and she would introduce the wine, talk about it, walk away, and we were expected to just walk up and start doing things with no introduction, no warming anyone up. That's, that, that's just bad seeing. It was, uh, it was, it was a mess. That, well, I mean, I don't think that was your, it sounds mishandled from the top down. It doesn't sound like anything you guys could have done better. We, uh, we tried our best, but sometimes, I don't know, I tried to adopt this mindset that the only thing that matters is that you make as many people in the audience happy as you have performers. So how many performers did you have? Five. So you only had to make five people happy? And I think we did. I think we accomplished that. All right. I mean, we, we've been in this situation before where we're doing improv at an event that improv isn't really meant to be a part of. And I I think I've come to a realization that unlike, say, any other form of, of performance comedy, with improv, you have to have complete and other control of the show from setup to performance. Yeah, I think it's also very important that when you do improv that you don't have a captive audience. You have an audience that chose to be there. Yeah, because, I mean it's it's an interactive medium so if they're captive they've got their their chance to express their discom- their their not happiness unhappiness um so you you run into problems there or they can just clam up and not even help which is not great mm mm-hmm. mhm yeah, I mean, uh, like if you're a stand-up and you go into a room and your audience is captive, stand-ups can make captive audiences laugh if they're good. Yeah, I mean, the, the worst thing about the worst thing you face as a stand-up comedian is a hostile room that you then just turn on and do, mm-hmm. you know, crowd work, but you can do insult crowd work, you know, you can make it work. Uh with yeah. improv with improv comedy, it's like you need the audience on your side for any of it to work. Yeah, you need people who are there to see a group of people do this cooperative dumb thing. Whereas a stand-up is like... A stand-up or a band is like, I'm a single loud focal point that will say things and you're going to hear them. Yeah, yeah, I, I just... It's, oh. the doing, doing shows, doing improv comedy shows for charities seems like a good idea sometimes, but it's really just... I don't think it, it's ever worked out well in my experience. Yeah, sometimes it works, uh, most of the time it doesn't. But I, uh, we bombed, I felt bad, and then, uh, since it was a nice banquet and the plates cost a crazy amount of money, and we were entitled to eat those plates as artists, as performers, and, uh, we just had a bunch of wine and, uh, made ourselves feel better. Well, it's all you can do. I mean, you can't make the audience do what that you can't lead an audience to humor and make them laugh. Yeah, it's uh, I know that that's something that I'm really trying to uh to get my head around is making a limited number of people happy and that's all that matters. Yeah, because not every joke has to like make people go oh ho ho oh ho. Oh, oh. I mean, it could be that a lot of them weren't even they don't even know what improv comedy is. It's not like it's a mainstream thing. Yeah, I mean we had 10 minutes to explain everything about improv and then do it for them because there were a lot of gray hairs in that audience. Yeah. I mean we've even we've done improv for retirement homes and nursing communities before and it's just like why are we we should be stu- they would be just as happy to hear someone read from a book. Yeah. Probably happier. Yeah. Whereas we're like busting our asses out there like blood sweat and tears trying to make these old people laugh and they're just like I don't care what's happening. <laughs> I didn't I I didn't le- live 70 years to be subjected to this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh an old guy came up to us afterwards and he was like, "Yeah, I love uh I love improv. I love Second City. I love the the improv Olympics." I like uh I watch UCB on Comedy Central. He knew a lot about improv. That's great. And he was a very cool, well-dressed old man. Found out that he was a pretty high-up person at the university. That's awesome, too. So he made that guy happy. Hey, that's cool. I mean, if nothing else, your your enthusiasm and determination are admirable. Yeah, and that tartlet was good. Yay, tartlet. There was so much wine. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, uh, I, too, had a very fancy uh, yesterday evening. Ooh yeah I, I actually for the first time in my life, I ate at a place where you had to have a reservation. Nice I actually had a very similar experience. You, oh nice we can we can go down this nice food rabbit hole. I'm okay with that all right um and like the the weird thing about this reservation place it's like it, it wasn't super fancy. it was just you know it's it's downtown the the city I live in. So it's, mm-hmm. it was super, like, hip. Should we be so coy about what restaurants we go to? I'm going to name the restaurant and people oh, okay, can look yeah. it up. Um, but I, I guess I could have just said where I live then. But who cares? Yeah. All right. So the restaurant is called Red Ash. Red Ash. As in they have a wood-burning oven and they only use a specific type of tree to oh. fuel that oven. And it, it produces a red ash or something hmm It's from a red ash tree. It doesn't produce red ash. I was confused. Oh, so it produces red ash? Apparently not. Apparently it has nothing to do with producing red ash. It's from a red ash tree, which is apparently a tree that exists. Whatever. I didn't know you could burn a radish tree. Yeah, so it was a very super fancy Italian place. Ooh. And, and, and let me tell you, the most impressive thing, I think in my mind was how personable, how, like, charming, delightful, and relatable the waiter was. I I find that the the more upscale restaurants you go to, that's generally going to be the case. Yeah, like, did this guy, you know, he wasn't like a fancy waiter. He was basically, like, talking to us as though we were friends coming here for the first time. And, he, you know... Just giving us a rundown of the menu, telling us what's good, what's bad. Or, well, he didn't say what's bad, but he, he didn't talk about everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is this just really, really impressive. It, it, like, I don't generally walk away from a meal thinking, man, that, that was some really good service. But last night I was like, that, this Charles guy, I got to recommend him to, like, everybody on the planet. Shout out to Charles. Yeah, Charles at the the Red Ash. I, um, yeah, the Red the... The restaurant I went to, very similar, great, great service. Yeah? Uh, where'd you go? Uh, I went to a place called Carmo in New Orleans. Carmo? Okay. It's a uh, Southeast Asian Caribbean Indian Brazilian fusion restaurant. That's you. That's two more fusions than I'm used to hearing. Yeah, it's, it's so many fusions. I had maybe the tastiest cocktail of my entire life there. Awesome. It was called a peanut batita. Peanut? What was in it? Uh, it was uh, sweet coconut milk, uh, peanut butter that you watch them make. What? From peanuts. That's and crazy. And they, they mix it with this alcohol called cachaça that's like the sweetest tequila in the world. Wow. That's like a weird blend of flavor. But uh, our, our server, I forget her name. Uh, oh, no. But, but this place was very, it was very open air. It was very casual kind of hippie uh since you know me and my girlfriend are vegan uh we have to take what we can get oh man hey john here's a joke for you what's up H- how do you know if someone's vegan they tell you <laughs> 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 that's a pretty good joke uh so uh the, the, the waitress came over and, like, squatted down by the table and, like, showed us everything on the menu, and, uh, it was, she was very knowledgeable, it was great, food was very expensive. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean it, it was, it's a, it, that's what you're paying for, the fanciness. What kind of food did you get? Uh, we got, we got a lot of things. We almost treated it like a family-style kind of tapas thing, where we all ordered plates and then kind of shared, shared, uh, between them. Ooh. Um... But we specifically ordered, me and my girlfriend split a, uh, uh, it was some type of pasta they called Little Bishop's Hats. Oh. Which were little raviolis stuffed with something delicious and surrounded by walnuts. Mm. (laughs) Much as a bishop is often (laughs) surrounded by walnuts. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I don't know why they were called Little Bishop's Hats, but that name was, was really funny. Um, and we also got like a half chicken that was covered in uh, the, the spices of the devil. Ooh, spices of the devil. Is, was that the name of it? <laughs> it was a uh, pollo something di, di volo, which apparently means devil. Nice. Um, chicken but, of the devil. <laughs> yeah. So devil chicken and little bishop's hats. And we kind of broke even on, I guess, our our, our food send meter at the, ni- at the end of the night because we had bishops canceling out the devil. Yeah, it was uh, it was perfect. It was in perfect equilibrium. Yeah, you know, you always got to balance your holiness and unholiness and your dishes. I uh at Carmo, we basically ordered we didn't order everything, but we ordered a lot. Uh because uh when you have the dietary restrictions that we have, you're just happy to have food. Yeah. And uh, so we got a, a plate of uh, fried tofu, the seitan hash with collard greens. Ooh. Uh, there was this amazing coconut lime rice. There was a mango cucumber red onion salad. Wow. And this was all like in a, in a plate that you like took what you wanted out of. It was like a table thing. That's cool, and we got a uh, Caribbean red beans and rice. Okay, what was Caribbean about it? Uh, the rice was Caribbean somehow. Oh, maybe just grown in Caribbean? It was. Uh, it was very limey and very zesty and very spicy. Interesting.
1: Usually, and, you find uh, that
0: in the beans. And everything was served on banana leaves instead of plates, or no, there were plates with banana <laughs> leaves on them. Gotcha. As as a as a uh, as a garnish. Yeah, you ate the banana leaves. Oh, okay. No, you don't. Well, you're not, you're not supposed to eat the garnish, are you? I uh, I have in the past. It's not smart. But there was... Uh, oh, it was so good. The thing that we ended up liking the most was the trashiest thing, because there were just little balls of dough stuffed with vegan cheese. Okay. It was real good. Uh, John? Oh, yes? I tried octopus. Oh, how was it? Delicious. It really is. It's, it was... You know, it, they're really smart creatures. Mm-hmm. They're extremely smart. Smarter than you, perhaps. But also extremely delicious. So that makes me worried. How delicious am I? Um, I've heard human beings are tasty. Do you think the smarter the a creature is, the more delicious it is? I think that, uh, I think that's fair. Look how delicious Ape is. I've never had Ape. Oh, you're missing out. <laughs> oh, God. You've never had an Ape steak? An ape steak that I don't think that's a good thing. Oh, I was thinking of the video game Ape Escape. I was thinking of the cartoon Great Grape Ape. Oh, you've never had a grape ape steak? I've never had a grape ape steak. You've never had a great ape steak? Hey, have you ever stayed at a circle circle eight? It's not there's nothing called circle eight. There really isn't. Um, go no way. Uh who are you trying to go away? <laughs> you Oh Um, but no. Octopus is tasty. At the banquet last night, I was served and then could not eat uh, one of my favorite meals from the before times. Ooh, the dark before times. Mm Mm-hmm. It just had to sit in front of me while I knew that a celebrity chef had prepared it, and it was delicious, and I just had to not eat it. Uh, let me guess. It was crab bisque. It was not. It was lobster flemignon. I'm not really a seafood guy. It was... Oysters a la carte. That's still seafood. It was salmon. It was, yes, you're right. It was salmon. No, it, uh, was, uh, it was duck confit. Duck without feet? Yeah, duck without feet. I've no, never... that's, that's duck sans feet. <laughs> oh yeah, con means with. Yeah, duck with feet. I've never had duck. Uh, d- duck is pretty delicious. How delicious is it? It's like a cross between a chicken and a steak. That that sounds like a good combo. Why don't we fry it? Why don't we fry it? Yeah. We do. Yeah, you, okay, there's really Kentucky fried duck out there. I think uh, duck strips are uh, are something that exists, like fried duck strips. Okay. There's actually a restaurant in the area that serves that. Oh. Well, I'm sorry you had to look at a, a duck dish that you couldn't eat. It's fine. There were other people at the table who ate it. Alright. Did you order it, or it was just placed in front of you? Uh, since it was a banquet, everything was just chosen beforehand and just served to you. Okay. You could, but there's no option to say, like, hey, I'm I'm a vegan. I just felt awkward saying no to the food, so I didn't want to rock the boat, and everyone else was able to eat what I couldn't eat. I mean, they could have made, I'm pretty sure they could have made accommodations for you if you let them know. Yeah, but... I didn't pay to be there, so I didn't feel like they needed to to bend over backwards for me. You didn't want to be the guy who bombed and then also demanded vegan food? Yeah, just get up there, no one laughs, and I'm like, um, can <laughs> I have a rutabaga? <laughs> um, actually, I'm vegan, and they're just like, well, actually, you're not funny, and you're like, too mean. <laughs> yeah, that would be too mean. And then I mean, they just pour me another glass of wine, because they're professional. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, a wait like a a a service person who hates you, but it's still obligated to serve you of common courtesy. Oh, that'd be really fun. You know, like those restaurants where they're mean to you. There, there are restaurants where people are mean to you. Yeah, there are like uh, novelty restaurants where people treat you like garbage. I did not know that's a thing. Is this all like in I don't know Missouri? There's one in Chicago, I think. Uh, it sounds like a Midwest thing. And there's one in Texas where they cut your tie off. Well. I won't wear a tie there, but uh wouldn't it be interesting if they had that where the service was exceptional, but all of their words were cruel? That would be great and, but they just come up with a with a towel over their arm and they're like this is uh this is a fine prosecco you piece of shit. <laughs> what if you know it's reservation only so that the your wa- your waiter can like look up things about you? they stalk you on facebook to find your insecurities to make it just very personal it's like tonight you know since you are a bedwetter we have a nice you know (laughs) rosé or they're just like mean appearance comments they're like (laughs) i understand if you uh if you can't see the perfect braise on this duck because of your disturbingly long eyelashes (laughs) it's like well i can tell from your attire you have no taste so the tomato soup over here would be really good for you. It's uh, That sounds pretty good. I think we should do it. Uh, yeah, it was very strange to be in a in a reservation-only place because we walked in and we were met with someone who looked like a normal person. They were actually wearing a Deadpool shirt. That's pretty cool. Because New Orleans is great. New Orleans and, is great. Uh, and they just said, uh, do you guys have a reservation? And I knew that we did. And <laughs> we got one earlier. But in my mind, I was like, I don't feel like the kind of person who would say yes to this question. (laughs) I do, but I don't feel like I should say yes, even though I do. I know this is true, but I don't feel like it's true to character. That's funny. Yeah, whenever I go out to a fancy restaurant, or really any fancy outing, it just seems like someone else took over writing that chapter of my life, and they don't really get my character. Yeah, I I mean, I've only found myself in this situation because of my girlfriend's aunt and uncle who... I think, are are more regular to that kind of lifestyle than I am. I don't know if I ever want to live that kind of life, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't know. The food was delicious, and I... Uh, even though I didn't eat a lot of it, it filled me up to the point of bursting, so... Wait, that's not a good thing to do every day, though. <laughs> no. I just want to have enough money that when I go out to eat, I don't have to look at the prices. Yeah, I... I there's a certain comfort in that. And, uh, I mean, not to brag, but... That's kind of my life lately because I live in a, a closet. Nice. I'm actually after this podcast, we're going to go check out my my new 400 square feet studio. Oh yeah, you're going to make it like a micro space. It's gonna it's gonna have to be. Is, so it, many... uh, is it in an attic? No, it's not in an attic. <laughs> it's a, it's just an apartment. Yeah, I, uh... It's, it's crazy because I look at places to rent in. Uh, to be honest with you, I've kind of been really infatuated with New Orleans lately, so I've been looking at rent prices there. Ooh, New Orleans is, is not a cheap place to live. It is not. Houses start at a half a million dollars. Yeah, you know, it's not. The property... It's just very expensive there for some reason. It's because there's no room to build up and more and more people keep moving, so like, I guess we'll just make everything more expensive. But I was spending some time with a friend of mine, and he and three friends split this house with a pool and a jacuzzi, and it's it's really nice that it's out in the bywater, which used to be a bad place, but now it's not for some reason. Well, gentrification. Well, gentrification, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> New Orleans has gotten so gentrified, man. It's, yeah... I I remember going down to New Orleans maybe 10 years ago, and there were big parts of New Orleans that were terrifying. And now you go to those same areas of New Orleans, like, I'll just drive around at night, and you'll see, like, art shops have opened up, and people are driving, like, riding antique bikes in tandem. I mean, one of the side effects of Hurricane Katrina was a lot of people just leaving the area, abandoning things, and so people with money moved in and kind of bought them, bought those abandoned properties from the banks mm-hmm. and fixed it up. It's uh it's sad. It's sad. And in, in a way New Orleans was always a little ginger I mean it was a- segregated to a degree with uptown being a majority of a your nice very very nice area and then the downtown area was of course the downtown area. Mm-hmm. But um it's just the the uptown area is now being able to spread out a little bit more since you know hurricane damage kind of forced people out. I mean, I guess that's the the double edged sword of gentrification and why gentrification is something that's so hard to fight against because gentrification feels nice. Yeah, I mean, you're you're kind of visually improving the area while sort of marginalizing the people that lived there before. Yeah, you're you're taking people's lives away, but in the moment, uh gentrification is kind of like uh like heroin in a way. Like it's it's bad and on the whole it's actually not good for economies in the long run. So you you have these things where I went to a bed and breakfast when I was in New Orleans a couple of months ago, and that area of New Orleans used to be very, very uh scary, very dangerous. Yeah. And I was just, like, standing outside at night because I couldn't get into the bed and breakfast. And I was like, man, if I was here ten years ago, I'd be terrified, and I'm not. So, like, in that moment, in that very small moment, I was like, yeah, I'm benefiting from privilege, and it feels nice. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And it's it's not a good thing, but it feels good. Yeah. I mean, most privilege things kind of do feel good, but they're not good. And I guess that's why people keep doing them, is because in the moment they're like, uh, I, I feel safe and catered to, and everyone makes me feel special, so I like this, even though they don't realize that they're like... Okay, so, you remember the the video game Final Fantasy VII? I never played Seven. There was this, there was this city that had, like, two layers of discs. Okay. And people in the lower, the lower city were, like, slum people. Gotcha. And then people in the upper city were, like, well-to-do cyberpunk people. Gotcha. And that's what New Orleans is like. (laughs) I mean, to a degree, you're right. And I think there's also something that happens in Final Fantasy VII where they drop part of the upper disc onto the lower disc to, like, displace the poor. I forget. Yeah. I mean, New Orleans is a great city, but, you know... You can, the problems are in its infrastructure and it's, it's, it's weird segregating districts kind of thing. But then again, on the other hand, you've got uh Jay-Z and what, who is that? Beyonce? Yeah. Just bought or built a multi-million dollar mansion there. So it's like, there's money there. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just, you know, hidden away, tucked away in the, the nicer parts of the city. I'm uh, I'm pretty much on the fence as to I mean, you know, one of them is significantly more feasible, but basically, I would either like to move to Austin or New Orleans at some point and they might end up being a totally different city. Yeah. But, you know, it's New Orleans is is a city that I always fall in love with despite its problems. Well, it's not a bad city to live in, I think. Yeah. Besides all the crime. Eh. Tons of crime. I mean, there's a ton of crime right here where I live right now that I shan't disclose. No, oh, I didn't know about that. Oh yeah, there's a there's a huge amount of crime in the city. Well, I mean, there's a huge. I don't know of any of the crime where I live. I I just assume it's safe. Um, apparently. Oh, so where you live? <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, people can Google Red Ash and find it, but yeah, sure, we can still edit it out. New Orleans, nice. it just means so much to like you know have a have a city with a thriving arts community that means a lot to me yeah and uh a lot of cities try to stamp that out for some reason and maybe more cities have that than i think but but cities like new orleans just wear it on their sleeve yeah it's part of the cultural identity of the city and uh you know apartments there are expensive They are, they are indeed. It's expensive to live anywhere these days. Uh, I I recently, today, I found a BuzzFeed article that's like, what a thousand bucks gets you a month in like, into the 50 states. And all going down the entire list, from my personal experience and from other things, I'm just like, this whole list is a lie. There's no way you're gonna get 700 square feet for a thousand bucks like in New York City. That's insane. Yeah, no way. I mean, I live in a place that's reasonably priced, and my rent's still really expensive. Yeah, they had your city there, actually, on the list, and it was basically, they had found, like, a, a house or something. And a house for $1,000? Per month, like, a, a rental house. Yeah, but still, lies. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know where they got their sources, but I'm just like, that's not realistic. I, uh, granted though, I think the place that I'm living right now is four times the size of your new apartment. <laughs> that's just a little sad for me. You know, have you ever thought about if you were ever like fabulously rich? Yeah. Like, let's say you won the lottery. All right. I won the lottery. And you got a trillion br- <laughs> billion brilliant dollars. Ooh. A brilliant, my favorite number. Would you just live in like a reasonably entertaining city in the south and just own it? Yes. Because you just go somewhere where there are people, but you could buy like a really nice house, and if there's a coffee shop you go to that you really like and they're going out of business, just pay their rent. Yeah, I would definitely do that. And uh, I I was thinking about this kind of as like a philosophical exercise, but if you kind of didn't need to worry about money would there be a drive to move to like a bigger city with more opportunities or just a city that you enjoy uh that you could live out the rest of your life very very comfortably i mean for me it would be the latter a very comfortable life in a city i want to live in and then like just surround myself with the things i want and then i would just be free to write yeah because i mean some people uh they talk about when they achieve like fame and fortune that uh, they keep going to work, but I would never work a day in my life again if I oh. was very, very wealthy. Oh, yeah. No, I, my personal philosophy has li- has lined up with the uh, the main character from Office Space. You ever see that movie? I have. You know, they ask him, like, the what, do you do, what would you do with a million dollars question? Mm-hmm. And he says, absolutely nothing. Yep. Yeah, that's that's me. If I was set for life, I would not work. I would write. I would create. I would use my money to fuel like the creative passions in my in my life, but I would not keep my same job. I, I would not ever enter the workforce again in that capacity. I think were I set for life, I would either create my own business that is something I truly believe in. Yeah. Or I would just go to school. Just keep continually learning. I would just keep paying for my own college tuition to learn things that I care about until I'm dead. That would be awesome. I would get 17 bachelor's degrees. Only 17? I mean, if each of those takes four years, that's about how long it's going to take for me to die. I mean, I think they would, they would, after a certain point, if you keep going to the same university, I think they would be like, you've got your, your, uh, general courses out of the way. I like to imagine if you keep going back, they would eventually just start saying, go away, we'll give you whatever degree you want. (laughs) How many degrees do we have to give you so that you do not enroll again? Come on. This is insane. Like you're there for three years and you get, uh you know, a degree in solar system astronomy, come back in three years, uh, get a degree in Western literature. I mean, you took a three-year break. I think they, they got to cut you some slack. Oh, I mean immediately. Like after three years oh. of astronomy, you immediately start literature. Different departments. They can't. They can't get too mad at you. At some point, you just become a professor. Probably. This is a person who decided to settle in a relatively small college town, buy a mansion, (laughs) and then just became a professor of five subjects. Why not? That doesn't sound bad. Especially if you're like, yeah, you don't have to pay me. You're like, yeah, I'm set for life, don't worry about it. You could just be a guest lecturer. And then there's, uh, there's always something that's the question of... If you did have a a tremendous amount of money you were set for life, how much of that would you set aside for future generations? And that gets into, like, difficult territory with what your priorities are as to, like, children and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, they've studied, or they've done studies, or there's a saying or something that any wealth that you generate is gone by two generations anyway, so might as well spend it all. Yeah, spend all that money. Leave your kids with a nickel farthing. Isn't that I feel like that's what Bill Gates is doing? I mean, I think that if I can spend all my money on charitable causes and leave my kids with a little tiny something, then that's better than a lot of people could do. Yeah, it's true or just I leave want it money. I'd leave it all in a trust and so you can't you can't touch it until you're you're 59.5. What i do is i just set up a sprinkling trust over the course of their lives, and it's like, once you turn 18 years old, this is going to pay you, uh, like, the income of, like, an entry-level job for the rest of your life, and all the income above that you have to earn. You know what I would do if I had a million dollars? You'd buy you a house? I would, I would stream video games. (laughs) Just all day? All day. That doesn't sound like a bad plan. And I, you know, it wouldn't matter... If I had viewers or donations or whatever, because I'm taken care of. Mm -hmm. So I would just, you know, be an entertainer, play games I'm already going to play anyway. And and you'd you'd have, uh, you'd have an audience and you'd have people that you could be like long distance friends with. Yeah. I think that I, now that this is just a wealth fantasy podcast. Well, I mean, we've, yeah. Uh, I would just work out for two hours every morning, eat my lunch in the park, uh, go to class, and then sleep on a bed made of guns. (laughs) A A bed made of guns? Yeah, that's how I want to spend my money. Can it be guns that you buy from people who have guns? So what I do is, with I go into gun shops, and I go to people who have guns, and I barter for the guns, and then I melt them in front of them. <laughs> and you whisper, yes, this is for my bed. And I say, military industrial complex. <laughs> <laughs> Legally change your name to Obama and then take up everybody's guns. <laughs> and people be like, Obama's coming for our guns, but not the guy you're thinking of <laughs> and not in the way you're thinking. He's not the Obama that we were warned about. <laughs> He's a different Obama. The prophecy was true. <laughs> we were foolish to think we were safe. We went on superstition and coincidence, but the prophecy was true. Oh, man. Man, I that sounds great. Yeah. Now, Man, you, how, how long did we talk about how much money we want to make? Is that, is that indicative of a problem in ourselves? It might be a, indicative of a problem in our society. Yeah, because we just want enough money to be comfortable, and that's a fantasy. Yeah, well, I've looked into like investment sort of things that you can do, and two individuals, so a, a married couple or partnership, investing the full amount in like a Roth IRA... Can have close to nine million dollars by the time they retire. Oh wow! So it's you know it's it's feasible to be taken care of in the long I run. Think, I always think it's worth saving for retirement, but part of me is like, what if I never make it? Yeah, I, I know. And a lot of these, a lot you read you read up on these Roth IRAs or any type of IRAs or four hundred one ks, and you can't touch that money in any form, like in any fashion. Until you're exactly fifty nine point five years old, mm. so that that that's the uh, retirement age for a lot of people is sixty because they're rounding up. But it, it, it's you know that that you're basically gambling that you're going to live that long. I can't imagine living to sixty. I I could I, I did not imagine getting to twenty five. Yeah, and we're just living on borrowed time. Uh, I I don't know if that's just a. A personal thing or if that's like more of a generational thing but i just never envisioned myself getting older i find it hard to picture my life more than five days in advance yeah because who knows what can happen those next five days i mean hey you could end up on a malaysian plane and get lost yeah i don't want that to happen that happened three years ago we still don't know what happened to that plane uh maybe one day we'll find out yeah Uh, I was on a camping trip with someone one time who was the... He was leading the camping trip. He was a super experienced, like, skin diver, scuba diver, outdoorsman guy. Yeah. And we were talking about that Malaysian plane, and he just addressed the group. He's like, what do you think happened to that plane? And everyone was kind of quiet and kind of joking about it. And we got back to him, and he said, dead serious, very quiet. I think China's building a weapon. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yep. (laughs) The way he says it... it, it the way he like just brings it up it sounds like wait did you did you crash that plane <laughs> <laughs> when uh when when at the end of it he just says i think chan is building a weapon it sounds like like the introduction to like a like a metal gear cutscene <laughs> i think chan is building a metal gear metal gear metal gear metal Gear car <laughs> yeah uh i don't know everything's everything's terrible yeah that that's the mantra of the world today where did, where did that come from we were pretty upbeat well just we, a second ago we started talking about money and money always has a way of bringing me down yeah money is depressing man i hope everyone has enjoyed listening to this podcast that was Fifty percent us griping about rent and then wishing we had more money. Oh my god! We didn't spend that long on it. A lot of a lot of the time was on, you know, talking about rich fancy foods. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so so we talked about fancy foods and how much we love them, then how we don't have money, and then how we wish we had money. Full circle. Full circle. It's 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 economics. I'm sad I didn't get to talk about a very specific thing on the podcast here today. Wait, what? You sound like we're wrapping up, but, but we, we still got ten minutes. Uh, I mean, yeah, we still got ten minutes, but that's not enough time to talk about Angel Catbird. Angel Catbird? But you named it. We have to talk about it now. Oh, Angel Catbird is a graphic novel by Margaret Atwood. Oh, wait, wait, is this... She, this I saw this on Twitter a while ago. This is the, uh... She's doing... She did a graphic novel. Yeah, she did a graphic novel. I think two volumes are out right now. Is this... so it's like a futuristic kind of like cloning thing? Is that... It's, uh, it's a... at least from what I've read so far, and it is getting more interesting. Uh, it's a very typical superhero origin story that is bordering on surreal and is littered with actual informative statistics on how to keep your cat safe and how to... How to care for an indoor cat. that sounds kind of interesting and great. It's very strange. Uh, you do get the impression uh, that Margaret Atwood has not spent a lot of time writing for comics. Yeah, just because they' uh, the, the flow of information between uh, between speaking characters is just a little strange. Well yeah I mean she was she's been a novelist forever so this is her first foray into the more graphical. Type of novel. And I believe the person doing the art for it is someone named Johnny Christmas. That's a great name. Uh, but I had no idea how old Margaret Atwood was. I thought she was maybe 50. No, nah, she's like in her 80s, isn't she? Yeah, I can't believe it. She's so clever and good. Well, Handmaiden's Tale t- came out, like, decades ago. And, uh, when did Oryx and Crate come out? Early 2000s? That was early 2000s. Yeah, yeah that's... I... <laughs> reading orcs and Craig I thought a 30 year old wrote that yeah no she's she's very with it she's she's always been future looking uh you know sci-fis she's not a genre writer but she she's like in that realm because even handmaiden's tales is like a dystopian future kind of tale and uh, I will have more thoughts on angel Catbird when I finish the first volume yeah. Uh, but I would like to give a, a quick endorsement shout-out. I don't know how long we'll talk about it. Okay. But, uh, I, I just want to say that if someone has the opportunity to visit, like, a nice local comic book shop, it's a very pleasurable experience. Oh, yeah. No, small comic book shops are, like, one of the, the last bastions of, you know, small business but, like, niche business. It, they're They're usually very great the staff is usually very helpful and friendly you know your mileage may vary but i've never had a bad experience in a local comic book shop when uh when i went i was just going on a lark and it uh it was one downtown and i went in and it was just it was clean and everything was priced as it was on the back you know msrp and i just buy all of my graphic novels on amazon but the experience of like (laughs) <laughs> looking at something, seeing the price, having a selection, being able to browse. It's something that you don't get shopping online at all. Yeah, I mean Amazon can be good for tracking down things that really aren't in print or or they're not on their shelves anymore. Mm. But if you're go if you're going for something more recent, you know, just go in person, check check out, you know, the thing you're going to buy and then Amazon I have mixed feelings about because of how they treat authors. So I, I generally don't try to buy books off Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, so just just go in person. And going there and not having an idea in mind, but seeing so many things that I've heard people saying good things about for years, like like killing and dying and, and the Borgias and just seeing the angel catbird was there. It was exhilarating. Yeah. And I ended up buying a, a Twin Peaks keychain. <laughs> Interesting. And, uh, the person there was super knowledgeable about Twin Peaks was like, hey, are you interested in the, in the reboot? And I don't know. It was cool. It's cool to talk to people who care and feel like you're giving money to something that matters. Yeah. I, I mean, I think like board game shops, comic book shops, and, and some small aspect game stops, you know, game stores are, you could you can find people who are knowledgeable about what you're looking at and looking for and like. They generally just want to have a conversation about stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not there to like sell you super hard on anything. Yeah, they're just there to be helpful, and more people need to just be helpful. I honestly, it the the thing that works about these shops is it's, it's like it's actual customer service. It's not mm-hmm. like oh, we're gonna push a membership on you, or oh, we're gonna sign you up for this and that. It's just like what are you looking for? How can I help? oh, you like that, do you know about this other thing you might also like? It's people talking to people. It's not, like, people in aprons talking to customers, you know? And, of course, you can always have bad experiences, like uh, the comic book shop I went to uh, from personal experience. The other comic book shop in town is full of, like, highly opinionated weirdos, which I don't like. Yeah, it's a, fi- it's a fine line between the two, but... yeah to the good ones. Yeah. Go to the good ones, stay away from the bad ones. Seems like kind of easy life advice. And, uh, of course, that uh, that ties in with tonight's theme. Oh. Da-da-da-da. And uh, you can pause the podcast here if you don't want to know what, if you want to guess what the theme is. Because if you can successfully guess what the theme is and redeem that answer to us... You will get a $50 gift card. Really now? A $50 gift card? Yeah, you will get a card that cost me $50 to buy, (laughs) and you can't prove that, and it is a gift to you. A $50 gift to you card. And uh, if you don't want to be spoiled about the theme, just pause the podcast now and never hit play again. Alright, so we're going to reveal the theme in... Three, Three, two, two, one. One. The theme is, of course, service. Yes, service. Look throughout the podcast; every segment had something to do with service. Yes, how you didn't serve that first date well. Mm Hmm. Hey, it was a, it was a, it was a hookah bar well known for their poor service. Yeah. And as we know, we live in a service based. Uh, world and dating is a service the courtship service of course of course and I was done a disservice
1: <laughs> by
0: uh, the the misremembered events oh that's also true wow it's all of all of our, that's a lot of ways to tie into just the, the first segment <laughs> and of course that second thing we talked about um, you bombing on stage yep so that, that was uh, a service to Yes, Henry? <laughs> the chat didn't have anything. Oh, no. We were we were performing a, a service for a charity, and charities in, in and of themselves are a service, and I was served food. Ooh, and then from there, we, get, we went to talk about fancy food places where the service is one of the highlights. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about moving to New Orleans, where... Yeah, where... where where, where there's yeah exactly perfectly tied into the service theme you're right and then of course the last segment talking about uh (laughs) going to local comic book shops and angel catbird uh that is also a kind of service there you go so that was the theme we proved it you can't refute it and so take that to the bank and also to the tax guy. Oh, it's tax day. Apparently. I already did that years ago, though. That means we have to declare all of our social media right now so the tax man doesn't stop us. Ooh, ooh you better, you better go ahead and do that so uh the our first social media item uh one a b is going to be our email address zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com uh, you can send us your deductions your reductions but please don't send us a football man there's not a lot of words that rhyme with reduction um uh, in in um indictment don't send us an indictment and you can contact us on Twitter at ZCPCWHJ, which Henry of course stands for. Uh, yes, that stands for Zebras. That's right, Henry, it stands for Zebras. So uh, you can get us on Twitter, 104 characters or less. You know the drill. Uh, unless you're a brand, you're probably not on Twitter. You can find wait, us no, on no, Facebook. The, wait, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. There are a ton of depressed comedians on Twitter right now don't don't sell them short if you're a depressed comedian on Twitter uh, reach out to us maybe we can help yeah and if you want to find us on Facebook I don't know just search for zero credits podcast on the search bar at the top and I'm sure you'll uh, find something there we got this Facebook page isn't doing anything we should just delete it yeah uh, Facebook's not good so Facebook's not good. If uh, you want to hit me up on Signal, that's 121233131356789. 1, 1, 3, and if you want to. Is that a real thing? Signal's real. And if you want to watch us play video games, of which is, is Henry's uh, passion and only joy in life, you can follow us on twitch.tv slash zero credits, which we really need to do something with or the account will be deleted. Yeah, I mean, it's in the same boat as the Facebook. Uh, We need to do something there real quick. And, of course, like, comment, and subscribe on iTunes. Leave a comment, leave a rating. The only way that we're going to get out there and, uh, and search engine optimize our way to victory is if you get on iTunes and you give us good ratings. Recommend us to your friends. Recommend us to your bands. Recommend us to your servers. And I believe that this March, not March, April, maybe there's some kind of promotion going on with other podcast networks where you should try podcasts and recommend them to people. So you should recommend us to your friends. Also, then the entire month of April, you can hashtag your favorite female podcast people with the hashtag HerPod. And uh, we we don't tie into that, but I just want people to be aware of it. Uh, if you can at us with those, but make sure it doesn't look like you're saying that we're female because that's disingenuous, but I just want to see you doing that to female podcasters so I can feel good and feel like we live in an inclusive world. Yep, and here's an at to Chicka Flicka, what, what are they called? Chicka Flickas. Chicka Flickas, my favorite female podcasters. Yeah, they're uh, they're real talented ladies. They uh, talk about movies, and they're real funny. All right, that sounds like enough IRSing for us. And uh, that completes uh, Subsection B, Headline 67A, Order 66. And uh, how many withholdings are we declaring? Uh, we are withholding our love and affection from those who are close to us. <laughs> all right, that means we get all the money back. Yeah, we get all of the money. That's great. It's a it's a tough thing to do, but it's worth it for the savings. I'm gonna buy a jacuzzi. I'm gonna buy your jacuzzi. Oh shit. Open market. Haha <laughs> <laughs> Outsourced. Shit, you outsourced my jacuzzi to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh That's how that works. Damn laissez-faire capitalism Adam Smith invisible hand. Wealth of nation's richest man in Babylon shit. Dot com. Bye everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh. Ah. Man, I really want some money right about now. Man, me too, yo. Be a good sport. Be a yeah, yeah, yeah. Be a good sport. Be a good sport. And I didn't have to puke once.